Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 61 of the podcast. And today, we are going to preview the San Francisco 49ers Week 14 matchup versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Going to talk about what needs to happen on Sunday, how San Francisco can get back on track, who needs to step up, and how this Niners team can hammer down, hammer down on these Cincinnati Bengals. But first, I want to give my condolences to the family and the friends of Demarius Thomas, former Denver Broncos, and I believe Houston Texans receiver. Uh, We got the news tonight, which is Friday, December 12th, 2021, that Demarius Thomas passed away. I don't know what from. Uh, He would have been 34 on Christmas. Uh, So my condolences out to his family. Uh, It's really weird to see someone that you grew up watching on TV uh, pass away. It's kind of a new moment for me, at least in my life, I'm 25, so it's weird seeing someone who is the age of my brother, or close to it, pass away, and it really makes you want to go back and maybe say I love you a little more, because life is really short. Um, So, again, his condolences out to them, really sucks. His best moment, besides having actually a really good career and Denver was likely that Tim Tebow touchdown pass in the playoffs to beat the Steelers. I think it was like 79 yards, something like that, 80 yards touchdown. It was like the first pass of, of overtime versus the uh, versus Steelers from Tim Tebow to Demarius Thomas. Uh, just a defining moment in that franchise's history, at least in the 2010s. Again, just my condolences out to him and his family. Uh, really sombering moment to start the podcast, but... Uh, Again, when you grow up watching someone pass away, it kind of just hits you right in the gut and go, oh, like I'm I'm eight years younger than Demarius Thomas. Like, wow. But uh, but let's get into this game on Sunday. Let's get into the real reason why you came here. We have to talk about the San Francisco 49ers, the 6-6 six and six San Francisco 49ers, taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. And we have to start with the injury report for the Niners. On December 9th, 2021, the injury report goes as follows. Did not practice for the Niners. Trenton Cannon, concussion, obviously, we saw it happen on Sunday against the Seahawks. The ambulance, the stretcher, thankfully he's okay, but still dealing with the concussion protocol after the injury. Dre Greenlaw still has a groin injury. Maurice Hurst still has a calf injury. Elijah Mitchell, who has been pretty much banged up in every single area you can this year, uh, he's trying to play. An outside chance he does play, but has a concussion, has a knee injury. As he rehabs that, we'll give you more updates 
on our Instagram and our Twitter. So be sure to follow us on there. 49ers Access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter uh, for any updates on Elijah Mitchell and his injury progress. But also, arguably, I think maybe the two more important updates we got today was Emmanuel Mosley ankle injury. Uh, He actually will be out a few weeks. So not against the Bengals, not against the Falcons, not against the Titans. Um, He's not done for the year, thankfully, but this next two to three game stretch uh, will be tough not having our CB1. I guess you can say our CB2 really since Verrett's out. So not having our top two cornerbacks is going to hurt, especially against a team like this in Cincinnati who they like to pass the ball a lot. Then Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel has a groin injury. Again, there are outside chances Debo and Mitchell do play. Uh, Debo was seen uh, on the side of the practice field working out, kind of stretching and, and trying to feel everything out, feel how he's, feel how he's uh, recovering from the injury. Uh, he did have the helmet with him, did have his uniform on, so those are all good signs, um, but still no practice for Debo. We should know more tomorrow, which is, again, why you should follow us on Instagram and Twitter to get those updates. Will he be out? Will he be inactive? You're going to want to follow us on social media. That also is linked in the description down below. But we have to talk about the flip, the, the flip side. Wow, I can't talk. The flip side from the Bengals. Uh, Chidobi Awuzie did not practice. Chris Evans, a running back, did not practice. And Joe Mixon, the pride of the East Bay. And I know he has a checkered past. Um, and hopefully he is past that because it's pretty bad. Um... But he, I believe, went to Freedom High School in Oakley, California. So uh, in the East Bay, uh, went to Oklahoma for a tad, then got into some issues there. Then was drafted by the Bengals, and so he's a star running back in this league now. He is sick, and I don't believe it's COVID-related. It doesn't seem like it is. There's been no reports saying it's COVID-related, but it could be a big loss if he can't play on Sunday. But it seems like he is going to. Then Tyler Shelvin and Logan Wilson will not play, or excuse me, uh, Shelvin is didn't practice, but Logan Wilson will not play. He he injured himself last week for Cincinnati, I believe, against the Chargers. He's out for the season, and that's kind of where I want to start today's show because the injuries these two teams have can impact both sides of the ball immensely. The Niners, obviously, Debo, Mitchell, and Mosley out. Those are huge losses if none of them can play on Sunday. On the flip side, Burrow has a pretty serious finger injury, which is likened to Russell Wilson's finger injury, which cost him about four to six weeks of the season this year. And it took him, you know, three games to get back up to speed. And it really didn't play that well against us, but they won, so people think he did. Um, (laughs) um, And then T. Higgins, he has an injury. Uh, but Logan Wilson and Joe Mixon are obviously the bigger ones on the team outside of Burrow. Because if Mixon can't play, and Chris Evans, their running back two, is also di- didn't practice. So this could cause an issue of who is playing running back. Now again, both those guys should play. But if Mixon's having a hard, or excuse me, if Burrow's having a hard time throwing the football and they can't run it, or even if Mixon has lingering effects from the illness. We all know what it's like to be six and go for a workout the next day or play a sport the next day. Sometimes you just don't feel yourself. You can't always be MJ in the flu game, right? And so, again, if there's lingering effects from Mixon's sickness and Burrow's having an issue throwing the football, 
again, don't want anyone to be hurt, but that could affect how the Bengals' offense runs. On top of that, their tackle, Riley Reef did not practice. He's also limited today and will likely be limited the rest of the week as we go up to game time. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And also, because Logan Wilson, their starting linebacker, is out, their starting Mike linebacker is out, their second string Mike linebacker is out, Marcus Bailey. So the Bengals are thin at linebacker, just like we were last week. And I hate to break it to you, Bengals fans. You do not have Aziz Alshire this uh, waiting in the wings to replace your star linebacker like the Niners have. Now, sticking with linebackers, Fred Warner is back on Sunday, so we should get Alshire and Fred Warner. That will help us immensely in coverage. Now, Alshire isn't the best in coverage, but he's playing a lot better this year, and Fred Warner is one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL. And knowing what the Bengals want to do, they want to throw the football. They are a very much McVay style of offense, which, in my opinion, while it doesn't outright give the Niners an advantage, Shanahan has owned Sean McVay, right? That's one of the big talking points every single time the Niners play the Rams. Uh, Well, Shanahan owns McVay, so even if we're one of the worst teams in the league, there's always an outside chance we can upset Los Angeles. Well, Zach Taylor, the Bengals head coach and maybe a important part in the implementation of their offense. Uh, he's head coach in the Bengals this year, and he came from the Sean McVay uh, coaching tree in Los Angeles. So I guess by default, there is some sort of advantage Kyle Shanahan has, or maybe it's a mental one where they have all these weapons on offense, which the Bengals definitely do, but we have Kyle Shanahan <laughs> and... He's been pretty good against McVay disciples so far, or at least McVay himself, so why couldn't he have an advantage against a McVay disciple or from that McVay coaching tree? Again, that could be he said, she said, it could mean nothing, but something to look out for, something to think about that, well, hey, you know, McVay really hasn't had too much success against Niners with Shanahan here. That same could be said for the Bengals. But I want to talk about really... Not the most important thing on Sunday, but it is something that I do believe trickles down. So we talked about the injuries about you know guys like Mitchell and Debo being out, and that really affects the team, right? If they can't run the football, if they don't have their number one offensive weapon on the field, it really affects them. We saw against Seattle. Now Mitchell played okay in that game uh, and, and hit holes properly, <laughs> unlike Trey Sermon usually does, but not having Debo hurt this team, right? Kittle was relied upon and late in the game. Kittle wasn't on the field. If you have Debo and Kittle, you at least have one of your best guys on the field at all times. So not having those guys definitely hurts. Uh, But I want to talk about Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. And no, we're not going to talk about, you know, should Jimmy start? Should Trey start? I, I know that conversation right now at least is done. But I want to talk about why this game this game in particular is extremely important, not to their tenure, not to, again, who starts and who sits and should Trey play, but really to how they play. Because we know who is the starting quarterback. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. And while if they lose on Sunday, maybe that noise gets bigger. Uh, It already started to kind of creep back up once they lost against the Seahawks of why Trey didn't play somewhat. Jimmy struggled, had a bad game. We all know that. And we know that Jimmy does have to bounce back. That's, and 
you can't deny that's a fact. Jimmy has to bounce back against the Bengals. He just does. And Kyle Shanahan, who may not have Debo, who may not have Mitchell at his disposal and will be reliant on Michael Hasty and Jeff Wilson Jr. in the running back room. And, and let's be clear, those two guys really haven't been that great this year. Uh, even when healthy, despite the injuries they've had, they've really been unproductive, which is unfortunate, but that's just the case it is. And so you take out receiver number one, you take out running back number one, and that leaves you with a bunch of question marks, right? And this is the unfortunate part of having a quarterback like Jimmy is that sometimes Jimmy's really good. Sometimes Jimmy is really bad. And sometimes Jimmy is just, eh, that's fine. The issue is when you don't have your receiver number one, when you don't have your running back one, you can't just be, eh, that's fine. You have to be a quarterback who's able to step up in the pocket, make big plays. And while I do think Jimmy has that in him somewhere, which is why he has won many games in his career, which is why he has a very above 500 record in his career as a starting quarterback. But on Sunday, with all the context in mind of Trey, of the Seattle game, of the Vikings just beat the Steelers, well, granted, if you lose on Sunday, you're not going to be the 8th seed. You'll still be the 7th seed, which is fine. It's not ideal, but it's fine. You have a chance to then hop back up into contention for the 5th seed. The Rams play the Cardinals this week, and the Cardinals have Kyler and D-Hop back. Uh, Chase Edmonds is also back for that team. And even J.J. Watts trying to find his way back on the field to help them in their late-season run. So the Cardinals are getting healthier, and the Rams are playing Piss poor football right now. They beat the Jaguars. Hoopty. Who cares? But if the Cardinals can beat the Rams and the Niners with all the pressure of the world on them, to if, if we could beat the Bengals and maybe Washington loses, or even if Washington still wins, right? Uh, that puts us one game behind the Rams again, and we're really right back to where we were two weeks ago prior to the Seahawks game following the Vikings win. Or win over the Vikings, excuse me. So, uh, this Sunday really is a chance to kind of undo the disaster that was last week. Despite it hurting, despite it being a Seattle loss, this Sunday against the Bengals can undo or really unravel the disaster that was last Sunday versus Seahawks. And so, Jimmy and Shanahan have to show up. This isn't a game where you can just, oh yeah, Jimmy was fine. No, no, no. The Bengals this year... They have the number, excuse me, they, they allow the fourth least rushing yards and the ninth least rushing TDs. This team can stuff the run and not having Mitchell, not having Debo, you're limiting what you can do offensively. And take last week, for example, not even the Niner game, the Bengals game. They played the Chargers, they got down early, had to claw their way back, and they almost did so against the Chargers. So, but the only reason why the Chargers were able to do that was because they had Justin Herbert in a vertical offense that can put up points quickly and make the Bengals have to claw their way back 27 to nothing or whatever the score was. It was pretty big prior to halftime. The Niners don't have that. That isn't their offensive mentality. It is run the football, kill the clock, and make Jimmy make third down conversions around third and six, at the most third and eight, which isn't ideal by any means, but they really want to get Jimmy in three and fours, you know, third and three, make him hit guys in the flat, wide open, 
kind of in these small pockets in the zone defense. And so I, without guys like Mitchell and Debo, it's going to be extremely hard to do so, especially really not knowing what you're going to get from Hasty and Wilson Jr. production-wise. And so Sunday, Jimmy has to show up. This is arguably, outside of the Jaguars game, his best chance to kind of show off a little bit. Uh, and not to say they're coming in with their heads down, but you lose against Seattle, it's kind of demoralizing. Because division rival in their hometown, you're now 1-4 and four on the division this year. It's just unacceptable. It doesn't look good uh, when you lose a game like that. And again, it wasn't all Jimmy's fault by any means, but he didn't play well. And when you're a quarterback who is, let's be clear here, you kind of on a week-by-week basis with the fan base, at least, or part of the fan base, and you're on kind of a a three-week stretch with the organization itself, right? If you start losing a lot, you're not going to play. The whole ploy, the whole plan was that Jimmy wins, he gets to keep playing, right? And so they've given him every single chance they have to win, and by all means, 6-6 six and six is not bad. Not ideal, but not bad. Not where you want to be, but we're afloat, right? And even if they lose on Sunday, still afloat, but this team cannot afford to go down two games behind the Rams and have to claw their way back. Or three games behind the Rams have to claw their way back. Or this team put themselves in a really good position following the Vikings win. The Rams had lost a game, and we found ourselves the sixth seed one game behind LA, and now it's looking more like we're going to be the seventh seed Maybe the sixth seed still, and possibly at the best case scenario here, play the Rams week 18 for that fifth seed. But on Sunday against the Bengals, Jimmy has to show up to even get us there. Again, the Bengals defense stuffs the run. Fourth least rushing yards allowed, fourth least rushing yards attempts against them because they're so good against the run, and the ninth least rushing TDs against them. But passing is where it becomes big especially if one of their corners, J.W. Awuzier, cannot play limited in practice this week. If he cannot play or is at least limited on Sunday, Jimmy's facing a team that averages as the 26th worst passing offense in football. They stink. They're not good. Jimmy should have those pockets to pass against should be able to get those quick passes out. May have to he'll have three and eights a lot in this game. May not have the ability to milk that clock in this game. He has to be on point. He has to be on target in order to effectively move the offense up and down the field. And if you want to get in the Bengals team head, let's be clear, they got their mouths shoved in against the Chargers last week at home. They want to get back in this playoff hunt. The AFC is not that good. Every single team is 8-4. and four. By all means, the AFC North is still alive. They believe they can win the division. They think they're better than the Ravens. The last thing they can afford to do is lose a game against the Niners traveling across country and lose two games in a row when the Ravens and Steelers are somehow still afloat in that division. And the Browns, by any means, aren't playing bad football. Baker just stinks right now. And so this game means as much to Cincinnati as it does to San Francisco. And so Kyle Shanahan has to scheme his best game on Sunday. And he may have to do with a quarterback he doesn't trust the most. Now, you can argue, well, 
Shanahan's going to be stubborn. He's not going to want to play his game. He's going to want to play his scheme and only his scheme and not give in to Jimmy being this past first quarterback. But don't be surprised if Shanahan tries to do so, tries to scheme runs, and it doesn't work on Sunday. Then they have to go, look, Jimmy, (laughs) we tried it one way, didn't work. You have to then lead us to victory. Now, I'm not saying by any means that Jimmy's throwing it 45 times a game. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying here is is that Shanahan has to do just enough to get the third down and manageable yards. They're not going to be able to get 300 yards on the ground or 125 yards on the ground if Mitchell can't play, if Debo can't play, which it looks like they can't. This is the perfect game. If they have any game this year, they have to rely on Jimmy Garoppolo. It's this Sunday. The Bengals will likely stack that box. The Bengals will likely, likely do everything in their gut, everything in their goal to stop Jimmy Garoppolo because they know they can already stop the run. They're going to bring eight guys in that box and say, beat us with your arm. He has to step up. The Bengals know what their weakness is. They're not going to give you free yards. But we saw what Herbert's done to them. We saw Aaron Rodgers struggle against this Bengals team because they couldn't establish the run. And Rodgers, despite having some off days and a lot of missed field goals, he was still throwing the ball all over the field. They just couldn't get in the end zone. Jimmy has to throw the ball effectively on third downs, hit guys who are going to be open. They will be open. But this is a game where Garoppolo may have to get a little vertical. We saw it a little bit against Cincinnati. Oh, excuse me, Seahawks. We saw it a little bit, a little bit against Jacksonville, a little bit against the Vikings. Then the reins got pulled back because Garoppolo threw a pick. He can't afford to do that against the Bengals. They're a young team. They're explosive. They play fast. You have to control the ball, which is what they already want to do if you're San Francisco. But Jimmy has to not be afraid to hit guys down the field. Cincinnati's going to want to test you in the box. Kittle, Juszczyk, Ayuk. Jennings, they all have to be able, they all have to be utilized to their full capacity because their passing defense in Cincinnati, it sucks. 26th in the league, Jimmy should have all the confidence in the world throwing against his team. He has to play on their A game if they want a chance to win. Most weeks, you can say if Jimmy's average, they'll win, right? No picks, no fumbles. Control the ball, control the clock, run it 35 times, the Niners will win. That's not the case this Sunday. That was the last four to five weeks. It's not the case this Sunday. Jimmy has to be the Jimmy we saw against the Cardinals. Forget the outcome of that game. Forget it. Forget the Cato Lanayuk fumble. Forget it. Jimmy was really good in that game. That's the Jimmy we have to see on Sunday versus Cincinnati if we want any chance to win. They're not going to be able to run the football. Jimmy has to really, I don't want to say get out of his comfort zone, but kind of bud as a flower. It's Christmas time. Flowers don't usually bud now. We need to see the budding flower of Jimmy Garoppolo come out this Sunday against the Bengals. But the other issue, the other matchup San Francisco has to ace, because if they do not If they struggle in this area, it's going to cost them on Sunday. The Niners' pass rush has been hit and miss this season. 
last week, 25, 24 rushes, excuse me, 24 rushes against the Seahawks. That was their second most this season. Their most were 25 against the Bears. Now, 24 and 25 are really good numbers. If you're pressuring the quarterback 24 times, really good numbers. But, again, it's been very hit and miss, and it's pretty much been a one-man wrecking crew. It's been Nick Bosa. It's been uh, the former number two overall pick doing all of the heavy lifting. Now, that isn't to say guys like Armstead and DJ Jones have not been contributing as of late. And, thankfully, with the acquisition of Charles Amenehue and the, I don't want to say emergence, but the more consistent play from Arden Key, we have seen those pressures climb as of late. Those pressures need to be more consistent on Sunday. Because if they don't, well, Cincinnati, they're uh, they're pretty good offensively. They're actually uh, really good offensively. Now, thankfully, Cincinnati has allowed the fourth most sacks in the NFL this year. They can, and if you can pressure Burrow, not only will they allow sacks, Burrow will also turn the football over. He's not afraid to make boneheaded passes. This is his sophomore season. You could arguably say he's still technically a rookie, having torn his ACL last season. So, guys like Samson Ebukam, they have to step up. They can't be an overpriced, overpaid free agent who has a 6% pressure rate, which is currently what he has. That's unacceptable. And D Ford, again, likely not going to play, but let's be clear here, I think all of us have kind of eliminated him as a potential factor in a game, unless he's, you know, cleared early on in the week of he's going to play. But even then, we're like, nah, D Ford, whatever, you know, he's always hurt, whatever. But... We need guys like Key and Ebukam and Amenahue to step up against the Bengals' offense that struggles allowing sacks and a quarterback who will turn the ball over. Joe Burrow this year has the second worst interception rate, 3.7. He has the league leading 14 interceptions this season. Burrow will give you the football back. And... The Niners, they do not get interceptions. They can get fumbles all they want. They have 18 forced fumbles this year. That is the most in football. Well, the Bengals, they don't fumble. (laughs) But they do throw interceptions. Unfortunately, San Francisco ranks 25th in the league in picks. Not good. Not good by any means. This is a game on Sunday where San Francisco could run into an interception. They got lucky last week against the Seahawks at the goal line. This is a week if Ebukam, if Bosa, if Armstead, if DJ Jones, and the rest of this Niners defensive line can generate pressure, they will not only sack Joe Burrow, they can also force him to make what he's prone to do, make ballsy throws into coverage, and it can lead to turnovers, which... In a game like this where it's looking more likely every single day, it's going to be a pass-heavy game. May not be high-scoring, but it'll be a pass-heavy game. The Niners need their guys on the defensive line to show up. Just like Jimmy is going to be needed 
this week, and we can't say that most weeks, needed to show up on Sunday against the Bengals' really bad passing defense. This Niners defensive line, we need them to show up this Sunday against a really bad, a really bad Bengals offensive line, not as a unit, but as a Bengals offensive line that allows a ton of sacks this this season, and against a quarterback who is turnover prone because he's still a rookie. Let's be like Belichick. Let's be like Brady. And it's a lot easier said than done. Let's key in on rookie mistakes. Let's go after guys like that who can make those mistakes over and over and over again. And let's capitalize on them. But let's keep talking about this Bengals high-powered passing offense. When you have guys like Joe Burrow, who is a really good quarterback, but again, still makes those mistakes. And you have an offense that has Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Uh, and there's Tyler Boyd, who are really good receivers, arguably the best receiving core in football uh, right now. I can't really think of one that comes to mind that's better than them. Maybe the Cardinals, but A.J. Green's kind of old. But they do have a good four-deep unit. But the Bengals probably have probably the best three-star receivers. Maybe, maybe the Cowboys and, and Lamb and Cooper and Gallup, but... And the Bengals are knocking on that door for the best young receiving core in the league. And, let's, again, let's be honest here. Their passing offense, despite um, despite the names, despite uh, maybe having young talent that actually is really explosive, because they have the ninth most passing touchdowns in the league. They have the 11th most passing yards in the league. There's it really there's a different story here. Because despite having those names and those stats uh, in those key categories of like, oh my goodness, those are big numbers, it really is a boomer bust. And that brings me back to Cincinnati's sack rate, brings me back to their interception rate, brings me back to Burroughs' interception issues, where the Bengals rank 8th, 8th in explosive pass rate. So they are the 8th most explosive passing offense in football. That is something that, as a Niner defense, it really should terrify you. But that's where the sacks come in. That's where the interceptions of Burroughs come in. Where, if you can disguise your defense well, if you can generate that pressure, they're going to try to hit the big play. Which has been an issue for this Niner's defense. Albeit they have gotten a lot better. And surprisingly, and really surprisingly, the Niners this year allowed the third least they rank third in the league with the least passing yards allowed. They rank sixth in the least passing TDs allowed. This run, the, the pass defense has actually been really good. Despite not having Verrett and Mosley and Ward missing time, Warner missing a small period of time, and those who will not be named, looking at you, Josh Norman and, uh, and, and Dante Johnson. But... That's, again, another issue, right? Where we have explosive rate being 8th in the league for the Bengals, and then you're saying, oh, we have Mosley. Oh, no, no, we don't. Oh, we have Verrett. We haven't had him since week one. No, no, we have Josh Norman, who I think we're all... We don't like him. <laughs> we just don't like that guy. <laughs> um, and we have Dante Johnson, who, for better... For worse, he's still here. 
And while I don't think Dante, Dante Johnson is the worst cornerback in the league, uh, he's a guy who's versatile. He can play safety. He can play corner. He's not the worst guy you're going to find on the street, but not the best. He, he's a guy you have that's your sixth corner. Unfortunately, this Sunday, uh, he has to be our number two corner. But it would not surprise me if the Niners deploy what they did last week, where it's Ufunga and it's Tart and it's Ward on the field all at once, just to help in coverage, and that's where Cincinnati might be able to beat us on the ground. And it's really frustrating because it almost seems like every time as a Niner fan you can look at it and go, okay, look, we match up well here. Okay, well then the Bengals match up better in the running attack against the run defense. They can attack us here, which then we have to then compensate for, which then opens up their passing offense, which we had Dante Johnson and Josh Norman and we're already weak in that area, so it's like, you kind of want to lean heavy bangles. And I think, realistically, I I think we all should. Like, on Sunday, the Niners really should not win. They shouldn't at all. And it's frustrating, because I think coming into the year, we all said, Oh, we got the bangles. Thank God it wasn't the Steelers. Thank God it wasn't the Ravens or the Browns. We got the bangles. This isn't the bangles team we thought we were getting when the schedule came out. This is a team y'all said, well, Burrow has the ACL injury, Jamar Chase is complaining about not seeing the white stripes in the footballs. Uh, you know, who really is this team? Joe Mixon's really inconsistent sometimes. That defense stinks. Offensive line's really bad. Well, this Bengals team, I believe, is 7-4, and four, and they're fighting for a playoff spot. 7-5 and five fighting for a playoff spot in the AFC North, and are still in contention to win that division. The Steelers just lost. The Ravens lost to the Steelers last week. <laughs> like, their division is very much up in arms. And us being the Niners are fighting for a wild card spot. Like, this is a team, and really both sides are going to be hungry. And I'm not going to say it's who wants it more. Both guys want it. But, or both teams want it, excuse me. But... I'm someone who believes in stats and analysis and, you know, who should win on Sunday? Who has the matchup favors, you know, favoring them? And really, all signs point, really do point to the Bengals. But ha- has that season really gone? Or has this season really gone that way? Yeah, you know, we should have beat the Colts, who are actually are a pretty good team. We should have beat the Packers. We had them beat. <laughs> we we really should be eight and four this year. We should have beat the Seahawks twice, arguably. It's like, well, I don't know if this year is the year to rely on stats and analytics and all that stuff because yeah, it paints one side of the picture. But on Sunday, and let's be very clear here, um, there's uh, there's a pretty good chance the Niners defy all the stats, defy all the logic, and go, eh, yeah, now, now we're 7-6. and six. <laughs> um, Because that's the way the league has been this year. There's no parity. Or, excuse me, there's a lot of parity. In past years, it was Tom Brady, Joe Flacco, Ben Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, uh, and that's kind of it, right? Peyton Manning. Um, really it. Now, you know, now it's like, well, the, the Saints aren't very good, but they're still alive. The Lions beat the Vikings. The Chargers are good. The Bengals are good. The Colts are good. 
The Ravens are good. The Steelers stink, but they're also alive. The Chiefs are bad now. They're actually really good. The Raiders are were good. Now they're falling off, which they always do that, but still. Um, the Browns are still in there. The Patriots and Mac Jones are really good. The Dolphins are fighting up. Uh, the Vikings are still alive somehow. <laughs> the Washington football team is the sixth seed. The Rams are the fifth seed, and they're actually really good this year, but play down a lot to their opponents. Oh, and the Cowboys are there, but then the Eagles are also pretty good. I think you get my point, where it's it's chaos every single Sunday, and trying to go through these games and say, well, you should do this, and you should do this, and this should do this. Like, sometimes as a fan, and even someone who maybe is a little more in-depth with their analytical analysis, like myself, who wants to know all these in-depth things, sometimes you're like, does it even matter? <laughs> Especially this year where you're like, I ran through 54 stats and 49 of them said the Niners should win, but they lost by 20. And you're like, was it one week? And then you go, no, it's been the entire 13 weeks thus far. Where you're like, I, I don't know what to think sometimes. And as we continue the podcast and go in more into those analytics and more into those key matchups, it's like, well, here we are. <laughs> it's week 14, and I think I know what's going to happen. I hope I know what's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to predict what I think will happen on Sunday and should happen on Sunday, but if the Niners win on Sunday, am I going to be surprised? Should I be surprised? I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> Um, but let's continue here after my rant about, uh, does anything matter anymore in life? <laughs> um, the Niners offensive line is another area where I, I actually am a little worried, uh, which I guess I have been for a while. And I talked about that following the Seahawks game, pre Seahawks game, post Jaguars game. Um, and they're playing a Bengals defense of line, excuse me, a Bengals defensive line, which again, allows very little rushing yards, um, and does rank fourth in sacks, and a large part of that is due to Trey Hendrickson. Now, if you don't know Trey Hendrickson, he used to be on those Drew Brees Saints teams. He's super young, uh, but the Bengals scooped him up this offseason off the free agency pool, uh, and currently, um, he happens to be leading the NFL in longest active streaks, a streak of games, with a sack, with eight. He has, if we're playing by last year's rules, he has eight consecutive games with a sack. That's more than Micah Parsons, who's a rookie this year for the Cowboys. That's more than Nick Bosa, who has four this year. So Trey Hendrickson is arguably, I think I'd say a top eight pass rusher, at least the last two seasons, or at least this year. Um, He's been really good. And while I'm not worried about Trent Williams and Lakin Tomlinson, as soon as you start to kind of move, again, from center to right, and more so right guard to right tackle, that's where their concerns come in, right? Um, we saw Jalen Moore get benched against the Jaguars. We saw Tom Compton actually play very competently against the Vikings, and, and really, despite two blunders of his against the Seahawks, actually played pretty well in pass coverage. Um, but it, it it's Tom Compton how you get a really good game from him and you go, okay, that, that that's that's your one good game out of the 17 you have, right? Like, that's... I mean, we got a good Compton game. Okay, now, what is what is the apocalyptic event he's going to cause next? And 
well, it wasn't the end-all be-all. The safety was a pretty big part of that, right? Where you, you can be good 9 out of 10 times if you're an offensive lineman. But that 10th that, that time that you aren't good and you get blown up, the Carlos Dunlap uh, play in the red zone, final game of the drive against Seattle, ball, ball batted down, the safety. Like, those are two massive clutch plays where Compton struggled. And... Seattle's defensive line is not as good as Cincinnati's. They aren't as ferocious. They're not going to get to the quarterback as much as Cincinnati's. And, again, this is a team, the Bengals, that rank 12th in turnovers, that rank 13th in interceptions, that are going to be a team where they're going to go after the quarterback over and over and over again. It's also a Bengals team that ranks really good in the red zone from the defensive side of the football. The Niners this year, we all know, right? They rank 77.4. That's the best in over 18 years in the league. The Bengals' defense this year, really good, right? Really, really, really good in the red zone. They rank 11th and 7th. That's 11th in attempts, 7th in red zone touchdowns, and 14th in red zone TD percentage. This is a game where every single time you think San Francisco has at least the analytical edge, there's either an inefficiency on their behalf, that being Norman and Dante Johnson, or even inconsistency via Jimmy Garoppolo at times. On the flip side, it's where San Francisco is really good and they can maybe exploit the Bengals. The Bengals happen to be really good on their end at doing those things. A la run defense, run zone defense. I I have a hard time picking San Francisco on Sunday. A really hard time looking at them and go, yeah, 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 they'll win. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not sure. And so on on Sunday, I'm... Think I'm leaning towards Cincinnati. I think I'm leaning towards Cincinnati. And I'll give you my prediction here because I want to talk about something else very quickly after this. Because what I'm going to talk about next, in my opinion, is kind of it's important, but also I think it's a point people are missing. Uh, and it does revolve around the quarterback position, just not about who should start, who should sit. Um, so stay tuned. <laughs> um, so I, I'm going to pick the Bengals to win 24 to 23. I am very not confident in that pick because this game can go any which way. I just have to lean with my numbers <laughs> and my gut. My heart says pick the Niners. My, my homeristic ideal <laughs> says pick San Francisco. But I do think I'm going to pick the Bengals 24-23 just because I'm not confident in that pick, but the Bengals should win on Sunday. But, and this is a big but, do not be surprised, because I won't be surprised, if San Francisco wins 31-26. Do not be surprised. All right, guys. Um, let's talk about the quarterback position. Everyone's favorite topic. Um, so, Steve Young went on KNBR this week and talked to Matt Mayoko and talked about, well, Trey isn't pushing Jimmy. I don't know why Trey isn't playing. 
Um, and there's been a lot of inconsistent kind of ideas coming out of his mouth. And think what you want. It really doesn't matter to me. I don't take what Joe Montana says into consideration when, you know, when, when discussing Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. I don't really take into account what Steve Young has to say. They both hold an idea of how they were used and maybe hold it against their former coaches and, and coordinators and, and their path to the, to the league maybe jaded how they think of certain things. But I actually want to talk about the situation in Pittsburgh because I do think it's very similar to kind of where we're at now with this team, that being the Niners. Because look at what Pittsburgh is doing. And this isn't just Pittsburgh. It's happened many times in the history of the NFL. Whenever a player retires, a player that the locker room respects says, okay, this is my last season. I'm hanging it up. Uh, The Niners happen to be on the victim side of one of the maybe best examples of this, that being the Ray Lewis-led Ravens. Uh, And we saw that ended. And while the likelihood of that happening in Pittsburgh probably isn't going to happen with Big Ben, um, Big Ben is also another example of that, where he's a quarterback, he's old, he's won a few rings, he's he's well-respected in that locker room and in the organization, in the city of Pittsburgh, really in the state of Pennsylvania and on the entire East Coast for that matter. But the mentality of... You know, let's go get a ring. Let's go make one last run for our guy, for our Ray Lewis, for our Big Ben. I think that is kind of where we're at in San Francisco, where Jimmy Garoppolo is not retiring. He's not. He's not you know walking off into the ether or the the light at the end of the tunnel. He's not. He's he's, he's going to play somewhere else eventually. Uh, and hopefully be very successful in doing so. Like I, I wish him nothing but the best. I, I want him to succeed. Um, but I do think that's kind of where we're at, where it's this team, being the leaders on this team, uh, I think they made a clear effort to say, look, despite maybe the limitations he has, despite maybe the things he struggles with, let's let's give Jimmy one last ride. Let's make a push for someone we respect. Somebody that we hold in high regard, whether it's mentally or on the field or as a leader in the locker room, leader outside of the locker room. Someone who we hold dear to us as a friend, as a teammate, and also someone we hold close to as a quarterback of our team. Uh, While it's not the exact same, maybe... It's not, it's not the exact same motto of, let's go get one for our guy. Because Jimmy hasn't played 20 years in the league. Uh, despite having two rings, they were not as a starting quarterback. Uh, and he only, really only had one successful season. And I do think he's in the midst of a half-decent season, maybe a good season at most. Not a great one by any means, but he's in the middle of a good season. It's not a wow-me season, but it's good. It's, it's a fine season for a quarterback that many teams wish they had. And despite being 6-6, six and six, I do think there was... And I, I'm, I'm not going to go as far as to say that it impacted the way Shanahan coached because I don't think that's the case at all. But go back to the offseason of how 
Juszczyk and Kittle and even John Lynch who does come from that mentality of let's get one for our guy which really is an old school style of mentality of one last ride. Like if you're Vin Diesel and or, 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 or if Vin Diesel, Dom Toretto from Fast and Furious is John Lynch right now, he's like, it's about family. I ain't got friends. I got family. And I do think that's kind of how this team is made, uh, where they're tight-knit in that locker room. And I do think that the reason, not that they're writing it out with Jimmy, but maybe the reason that there is this emotional connection to Jimmy is simply because this is their let's have one last ride moment. They know he's done, whether it's this year in the offseason, week eight next season, whatever that time may be. They know this is likely their one last ride. Just like Kyle Shanahan called Joe Staley into his office in 2017 and ran him through the entire, uh, you know, the entire blueprint of what he wanted to do in San Francisco, I'm sure Shanahan, at least with the guys he's paid big money to with Trent Williams and George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk and Fred Warner, I'm sure he sat those guys down and said, this is the blueprint, this is the plan we have in place, follow me, please. And they know this is the last ride. This is their... Big Ben in Pittsburgh. This is their Ray Lewis in Baltimore. Not to the scale of those players. But this is their moment. To say, I don't have friends. I have family. Which is a very cringe line, but I think it rings true here. Where, look at how they talked in the offseason. How they have talked during the season. How they talk now. Despite being in what will be 14 weeks into the season... On Sunday, that motto is going to stay the same until it's over. Jimmy's our quarterback. Jimmy's our guy. Forget what Shanahan says and what guys ask in the media. You know who I'm talking about who asks the same questions every single week about quarterback, Trey Lance, who's going to start. Forget all that stuff. Listen to what these guys say. Listen to what the leaders on this team say. Even Shanahan has said it, and I... I know I'm beating the dead horse here. But I think this is important to understand where we're at emotionally in the season. This is the final stretch, right? We got Bengals. We got Titans. We got Falcons. We got Texans. And we got the Rams. We got five games left. Five. Five five games to get back in the playoff hunt. Five games to push our way up to maybe the fifth seed. It may come down to the final game of the season. This could be it. But this is also Jimmy's last ride, which we already knew that coming into the year, or at least most of us had the idea of that. And I think it's become more clear as the time's gone on. But I think we need to put ourselves sometimes in the shoes of the players, not just as fans and what we think should happen. Of what... Well, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they trade for that guy? Why didn't they go sign this guy? It's not that easy. And even with me picking Cincinnati by a narrow margin of one point on Sunday, despite San Francisco being 9-1 and one in their last 10 East Coast games under Shanahan, <laughs> despite Jimmy 
and this Niners team winning a game in Cincinnati, now granted different team, but winning a game in Cincinnati to kick off what would have been a, a very long Super Bowl run in 2019. Despite them being two-point favorites on Sunday, I picked the Bengals. With all that said, though, I think we have to put ourselves in the player's shoes of every single snap, every single game. It's not just a, we want to win because we're prideful, because we want to win. It's, it's more than that now. It's more than that. Now it's, we want to win for Jimmy. We want to give him one last ride. We want to let him walk out. Hopefully, and the idea is a Super Bowl champion, but that likely won't happen. But now it's, let's do one last ride to make him a playoff quarterback. To show the NFL he's a good quarterback. To give our guy, to give our friend, to give our quarterback, to give our leader, to give our family the send-off into the sunset as he goes on to his next team. To quote Manny Machado to Fernando Tatis as the Padres were in Arizona, or excuse me, in St. Louis, it's not about you. That's the motto right now, at least for me, in regards to the fans and and media members. And I think, to a certain degree, that's how we should all feel in regards to this team right now. It's not about me. Not about how you feel or I feel. And, and well, yes, those things are important to discuss because we are essentially the audience. or the listener, you could say. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about any media member, any podcaster, any fan. This Niners team is focused on Sunday to Sunday, but there is an added extra element of emotional attachment to this season. They don't want to go out there and say, Jimmy finished 9-6 and six as a quarterback, or, or excuse me, 6-9 and nine as a quarterback, of 8-9. and nine. No, no, no. They want to finish 9-8, and eight, win as much as they can, because this is their one last ride season. Alright guys, with all that said, with all the conversation of who's going to win on Sunday, how can San Francisco get back on track? Can they get back on track against the Bengals? We all want to know who's going to play. How can this team limit what Jamar Chase can do? We're going to see a lot of three safety sets on Sunday, I think. How can this team bounce back after the loss against Seattle? Who will play? What is the injury report? I want to know. You want to know. And the only way to find that out is to follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram at 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review, pump this podcast up on the charts. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett. And until next time, Hopefully after a victory Sunday, leading into a victory Monday podcast, my name is Joan Bennett, and stay faithful. Would you follow me into the jungle?